Welcome to Things That Will Help with Buffy Barfoot. This podcast explores what it's like to be human and how to find tools to feel clear, grounded, and happier. The weekly theme will be simple as well as rich and something you can apply to your real life. The human stories ahead do not negate the hard or the dark, but rather point to the lighthouses along the way. This is Buffy. Hi, everybody. I am over 50 episodes into Things That Will Help, and it is growing. And I am just loving it. I'm loving it to pieces. Um, And I'm hoping to continue doing these episodes. And some of you have asked me how you can help. And the biggest thing is, if you like it, to tell your friends, to spread the word, and to share it with people and talk about it with people and to start conversations with people. Um, Other ways to help are subscribe to the podcast, rate it, and leave a review. And if you're so inclined, also you could become a patron. Um, And information about that is on the show notes and how to do that and and what that means. So uh, thank you so much to everybody who's listening and who's already supporting in these ways. Okay, so moving right into today's episode. We moved into this new home in very early spring. And when we moved in, the yard was still in its winter state. And all of the plants were, were dead and they were dormant. But we could tell that the people that had lived here before had been really careful and they'd been conscious about what they'd planted. And they planted things that most of the things they planted would come back. And so as we unpacked our boxes and as we started to get settled, we would get these new surprises every day outside and things started to green up. And in late April and early May, every day I would walk around the perimeter of the yard and every single day I would discover new plants springing up. And it was such a, such a beautiful walk to see that. And in the front yard, I started to notice these flowers and they were orange on the outside and pink in the middle and they were kind of iridescent. And they're like a type of ground cover and they look like succulents and they're so, so pretty. And as I watch these flowers, I notice they're really wise too because they open in the day and then they close up at night. Um, which that rhythm makes them even more special to me. So anyway, I didn't know what these flowers were, but I knew that I was enchanted by them. And so I took a picture of them and I posted about, about them on social media and asked if anybody knew what they were called. And as expected, lots of people knew and commented on this post And these flowers, they're apparently called ice plants. And this particular variety is called fire spinner. And I love that name. And I got a bunch of comments on my picture about how stunning these flowers are and how they're so beloved and they're everybody's favorite, it seemed like. And it was kind of like preaching to the choir, like all minds focused on the beauty and the medicine of this plant. And then... There's this woman named Carrie Quinn, 
And Carrie is somebody I know from the Colorado yoga community, and I've always admired Carrie. Uh, she's laser smart. She's witty. She's dry. And she's, he's, she's definitely not afraid to play the devil's advocate. And she's really powerful and thoughtful and rich in her delivery and well-spoken. And Carrie always adds to the conversation. She doesn't just put like more exclamation points onto what's already been, been said. She doesn't just repeat. So after this parade of people sort of gushing about how much they love these plants, kind of at the tail end of the thread, Carrie commented, and my ears perked up, and she said this, and did you know these plants are perfect in Colorado? Invasive in California. Intentionally planted on the California coast because it is an invasive and non-native species and became becomes a monoculture with the explicit purpose of making the beaches an impossible place to hide should the coast be invaded during World War II. I spent so many hours working with conservationists ripping it out of the coast and replanting indigenous plants. For that reason, I have a very mixed relationship with those boogers. That was Carrie's comment. Interesting. And it immediately sparked a powerful idea for me, something I know is always here. And that is everything is a potion in some places and a poison in other places or a potion in certain amounts, and a poison in another amount, or a potion for some people, and a poison for other people. And of course, in this case, I mean, I mean, a potion as something that helps, and a poison as something that harms. And so I texted Carrie to thank her after I read her comment. And told her that she'd given me an idea, something I really wanted to talk about. We all just hum along in these conversations of ours, both personally and collectively. And there's, there's always a deeper story or another story or another point of view. And I believe that it's such a gift for us to be able to remember this. And this awareness can be such a help in how we live. Because if we remember this then we can live more intuitively. It calls us, this idea of remembering the other side calls us to research more. And it calls us to look past the first layer. And it's a choice, I hope, that leads us to less defensiveness. And a choice that gives us more of the story. And I think that's why I'm always drawn to Carrie's musings, almost always because she looks underneath and suggests that there is more to the story. So why does this matter to think about this and how it helps? Why does this matter? Well, one thing, one thing I think it gives us is perspective, to remember that something could be a poison or a hindrance in certain landscapes reminds us not to just take things hook, line, and sinker. 
It reminds us to examine and look into things before we blanketly decide on if we love it or hate it. And I think the other thing that this does is it reminds us about moderation and balance and this idea that one person's trash is another person's treasure or one person's potion is another person's poison. And if we want to live, articulate, and be sensitive and intuitive and, and, and thoughtful in our lives, then we carry this with us. This, is, this kind of knowing teaches us empathy and gives us layers and complexities. And I think it's, it's good for us to remember there's always an underside. There's always a tipping point. More is not always better. And more can sometimes turn something from potion to poison. My dad, when I was little, took my lanta or milk of magnesia. I can't really totally remember which one. Some doctor told him to take a spoonful of it every day for the calcium, I guess, or maybe it was for the magnesium. But I remember there was there was white chalky spoons <laughs> everywhere in our house when I was little. He would just take a spoonful and set it down. At some point, my dad said to himself, well, if one spoonful a day is helpful, then it would be more helpful if I drank many spoonfuls. And so he did for a long time. And after a long time, I don't really know how long, he went into the emergency room with severe pain. And he had, it turns out, like 20 kidney stones. Super, super painful the mylanta had turned the excess of calcium in his body into poison. And even when I was little, it was a real lesson for me in moderation and in the understanding that more of a good thing does not always equal a good thing. So what helps here is just the awareness of the flip side. The awareness that things can turn with the climate or they can turn with the state you are in, the emotional state you are in, or the actual land that you are in, and change the meaning of something. Like Carrie's ice plants. They were almost used as weapons, or not so much weapons, but um, they were put down so that people couldn't protect themselves. And so understandably, she has mixed feelings about even the most gorgeous plants I've ever seen. Something I've been thinking about more as we've all begun to gather in person more. We're seeing our beloved people after many, many months of not seeing anybody. Something I've been thinking about more is food. About making food for people and having people in my home and how that's one of my favorite things. And also, when other people make food for me and I get to go to their home, that's also one of my favorite things. One of my greatest joys in life is sharing food at a table with people that I love. I love the process of creating the menu. I love deciding what to make for the people that are coming. 
I love buying the ingredients, the wine, the spices, the smells, the kitchen sounds. Everything about it fills me up and makes me happy. And what I was thinking about recently is this knowing that food is love, that exchange with people. And I mentioned this, I think, earlier on in the podcast this year, that while I may choose to limit certain foods in my day-to-day, like meat and dairy and gluten, I made a decision this year that when somebody makes something for me, when somebody prepares something in their kitchen, it is a gift of love. And I eat it. And I say thank you. And I indulge in that process, in their process. And that decision has been such a gift to me. I also understand that that decision may not be good for everybody because allergies are very real and personal and ethical guidelines and all the things that help us decide what to put into our bodies. That's all very real. But for me, this way of sharing food and partaking in food equals love. And it's something that I'm taking huge pleasure in. Because while I believe that food is medicine and spices are medicine and, and, and how we do that is either medicine or poison, potion or poison, the potion that I gain, the goodness that I gain from eating something somebody made for me trumps all of it. It makes it the gift. It's them, the chef, that gives it life. So going back to this original idea that I started with, when we become aware of other parts of the story, not just what we see through our lens, then we are able to see the impact. And there's always an impact. And that doesn't mean we shouldn't use it. That doesn't mean we shouldn't use the thing or enjoy it or eat it. But when we do, I think it's really good to realize the flip side, the consideration on others besides you, on people that might have mixed feelings. And this consideration of impact leads us, guides us into empathy. And I believe we need more empathy all the way around right now. So then we don't just have a cerebral understanding or a one-dimensional experience of beauty, but instead we can ask, does this thing, this plant, this food, this conversation, this yoga pose, this spice, this friendship, is it life-giving? And not only is it life-giving to me, but to my environment, to the people around me, to our planet? Is it helpful? Does it support life? It's, um, it's taken me years, (laughs) literally, to find a creamer that I love for my coffee. And I found one. And it is, it's called Laird Superfood Creamer. And this, by the way, Laird, does not know I'm talking about them. This is not a paid advertisement. I'm just telling you about something that I love. It comes in plain turmeric and cacao, I think are the flavors, but plain is my favorite. And I hopped all around the land of creamers until I found this. And we're just obsessed with this in our house. 
um, we put it in the coffee and we blend the coffee with it. So it kind of makes it frothy and creamy and it's healthy. It has clean ingredients. It's delicious beyond compare. And since we found this, I'm pretty much unsatisfied with everything else in my coffee. And I've been ordering it from Amazon and I have it on repeat to come every three weeks. So we never run out. And since I've lived here, I now love to shop at this little local food market near my house called Niwat Food Market. And I noticed that they carry it. And Matt said, we should support them and only get the creamer there. And I agree. It's, it's more expensive there. But the impact of supporting a local market versus a big company like Amazon is something I really want to consider and I want to to be conscious of in my life. If I can, I want to make those kinds of choices that turn my choice of what I drink into beauty, not just because it's beautiful to me to have this creamer in my life, <laughs> but where it comes from makes an impact. So when you travel back to the source of something, can you make it beautiful all the way back to the source? And that's how I want to think about my life and my choices whenever possible. One spoonful of something may be life-giving. 20 spoonfuls of something may be harmful. What is the tipping point when something turns from potion to poison? And what the agency, this kind of attention and this kind of examination can give us is so supportive, I believe. Um, one thing that this makes me think about when I was teaching yoga, in yoga, I love to teach backbends because I, for a number of reasons, I think they're so good for our bodies in general. And they tend to create a more mobile spine, which for most people is great for overall health and wellness. And there's this one really deep backbend. It's kind of like wheel pose, if you know what that is, but it's even deeper because it's on your forearms. But when I teach this backbend, I, I talk about initiation, or the word is diksha in Sanskrit. And the, the deep backbend is only doable. It's only medicinal if you can get your arms straight in wheel pose. Because if you can't get your arms straight in wheel pose, the deeper pose is poisonous. And if you try to do the deeper pose, you'll likely get injured. So the line is fairly thin between potion and poison. But I make people stay with wheel and they have to keep practicing wheel until their arms are straight. And only then can they be initiated into Dvipada Viparita Dandasana, only then does that pose make sense. Otherwise, they're going to hurt themselves, likely. And so that's the way we travel in practice. We travel while listening and reading the road signs. And sometimes things are potions for a really long time. They're good and healthy for a solid chunk of time until all of a sudden they're not. And it's time to change course. And that's where sharpened intuition is really useful. 
the speed at which you arrive at knowing whether something is potion or poison, that varies with your research. It varies with your intuitive powers and your capability to listen. And also, I think it varies with your willingness to change your mind or to update your mind with new information as it comes in. And from brilliant people like Carrie, who signal, who who raise their hand and signal the flip side. So it's like the student who raises their hand in your class and says, okay, I see what you're teaching, but what about this? Have you thought about this perspective? That to me is life-giving, the remembrance of this other side to things. The rain lately. I don't know about where you live, but here it's been like Ireland or like Mobile, Alabama. It's so rare and lush and wet. Mist and rain for days. And my plants look amazing. And the ground is so wet and everything is just this bright, gorgeous green. But I hear... When I go into stores and I'm around other people, these murmurs that people are trying to wish the rain away. It's getting in the way of their barbecues and their weekend plans. My son Otis is definitely less enchanted with the playground and the park because everything is soggy and it feels inconvenient. It's muddy and messy. But I love it. I love it so much. I love the rain, as some of you know, in a way that um, it's almost hereditary for me. It's romantic and artistic. It speaks of solitude and reading and writing and definitely calls me back to my dad and my granny and my Aunt Bobby. They all love the rain. And I I so miss the southern rainstorms and, and could just let it rain for days and days and days without wishing it were different. But some people, they label the rain as a hindrance um, because it gets in the way. They're bored and it's limited what they can do. It's gotten in the way of their plans. For me, the rain is a potion for contemplation and for creativity. For you, it may be poison for your plans that you've made. It's both. I used to dread the student who would challenge me the one who, after I would give my spiel and whatever it was I was teaching, would raise their hand and say, okay, but what about this? I want to add something or push back on that. And it would make me feel out of control. And I would think, oh, gosh, please don't interrupt this. This is a good thing. It's a tied up in a bow thing that I want people to have. Don't topple that table and disrupt the gospel. And of course, therein lies the problem. It isn't gospel, anything really. Or it's not pure gospel because there's always a different take that challenges that. And those people that bravely raise their hand or comment like Carrie did, those are the fire starters that we need to help burn the idea of pure gospel down because it's obsolete now. Because what we really need is the acceptance of paradox and the awareness of paradox. Because 
that is where empathy can enter in the place that we can see each other and where we can acknowledge all, all the options. And so maybe, I don't know, maybe that's the gospel, the recognition of paradox, of potion and poison, both in the same hand, both in the same bowl. Now, I wish for those students. I crave those kinds of students, the ones that raise their hand and throw mud in the so-called holy water, because I know that that's how I grow. And it's how we all grow. And I know it's not personal, the shattering of our self-proclaimed gospel, that it's natural erosion. It's big picture. And I think really it, it's what it means to live with other human beings on this planet that have very different views than you do. So it's paying attention paying deep attention and recognizing the yes and. This is true and. That is true and also this is true. The this and the that and knowing what will work in the moment. Sometimes the most beautiful thing to you is inhospitable to your neighbor. And though it's hard for you to see, if you choose to see it, you will become a more patient person a person who connects with other people's stories, even when you can't see yourself in it. And that is what the world needs more of. I want to give a special shout out to Todd Anthony of Pinwheel. And Todd's helping me to spread the word about things that will help podcast. And he's brilliant in marketing and advertising and that that world. And he's helping me discover exactly what will help this podcast get into more people's ears. And I will link to Todd's website on the show notes if you need a superhero like him for your business. So my hope is for all of us that we keep raising our hand and we keep toppling the table and we keep seeing the paradox. Take care of yourself and of each other. Be well. Thank you so much for listening. Mm -hmm.